Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi. Um, and uh, Mike's here too. Hi, Mike. Hello. <laughs> With me, as always, is Mike. <laughs> For the Not way lately as much, there. but yeah, yeah. So Mike Huber is here, um, as uh, as is Kisa Marks. Hi, Kisa. Hello. How Hi. Are you? Um, so I think most listeners know Mike, so we're going to skip him and just yeah. go right to letting you talk <laughs> about yourself. <laughs> what do you want people to know about yourself? Uh, well, I am the founder of a play and nature based child care community in Oak Park, Illinois. That's right outside of Chicago, really just basically across the street from Chicago. Um, I am a newly reformed child led practitioner. I used to be academic centered and adult centered. And so around the pandemic, I switched everything and it led to like this personal transformation. Um, yeah. And I'm, that's, I'm on my back. That's what yeah. I do. <laughs> like, cool. Really passionate about it and just getting on everybody's nerves. So yeah. Well, yeah. welcome. That's what we do here. <laughs> um, yeah. I love adult censored. That's such a, 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 you know, I'm a word nerd. So changing that little bit of language um, adds a little bit of power to, to what you're saying. Um, so uh, I asked Kisa actually to provide the quote for today because I just heard her talking about some things on Facebook and was like, oh, this would be a great, she would be a great guest um, instead of having like an idea for the topic beforehand. So I, so I asked you, um, and here's what, what you shared. Um, and this is Goldie Muhammad from Unearthing Joy. And uh, uh, they say, she says, we need humanizing pedagogies that center the genius, justice, love, and humanity in our children. Um, I love that. I love anything that, that calls into focus the idea that some things we do are less than humanizing. Um, it's, it's, I think people, when I talk about the things we do that have dehumanizing tendencies, people get really, uh, offended and defensive and, um, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not saying anyone wakes up in the morning saying, I can't wait to go dehumanize some children today. Um, but there are, I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But so then they I want to change 20 diapers and suddenly yeah <laughs> changing dolls yes yeah yeah it's like yeah <laughs> yeah I used to be really like that that's a story I tell about myself I promise I'm going to let you talk here in a minute Kisa but a story that I tell about myself a lot is part of my transformation is when I was working with two-year-olds one of my first jobs and it was a church child care in Nebraska and we had 24 two-year-olds and four adults in one giant church room um and I was really proud of my assembly line diapering I um, and then I, surprise. right. I sort of accidentally discovered Magda Gerber. I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this could be different. <laughs> yes. Yes. I um, have. I'm glad you brought that up. I actually yeah. have a story like go, that. When I first started to listen to children, it was during the assembly line. Like I had mm. a, a moving in and getting them out. And I was talking to one of my kids and they looked up at me. And they said, 
when you take the diaper off that way, it hurts my skin. Oh, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I did because I was just so quick to pull it off, put it mm-hmm. on, and I didn't even think about it because yeah. I was busy doing the job. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. listening, and that completely changed. Like yeah. I asked so many questions at the diaper changing station now to make sure that I'm attuned to what the child needs and not getting it done. Yeah. Because we've got to get through that unimportant diaper stuff to get to the important teacher stuff, right? Right. Exactly. Right. Right. When you have that par- uh, adult lens, then you're. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so we jumped right into dehumanizing, but, <laughs> but I did want to ask you like why you chose this quote. Why is this the one you sent uh, when I asked that question yesterday? I chose it because it stays on my heart all the time and it leads what I'm speaking about when I speak on um, online, when I speak to my, cl- my grown up clients, when I speak at uh, workshops, everything, this can be so simple. Mm-hmm. our adult or educator transformations, but it's, it's difficult is realizing that what we're doing is dehumanizing. So if we think about it, it might make us uncomfortable. It might sting, you know, it might make us angry to hear someone say that, but all of these basic principles like uh, conscious discipline and respectful parenting, this is just basic humanization of children. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we have to just remember that like that's a human being, yeah. not a toy, not your robot, not your sponge, none of those things. That's a human being. Yeah. So yeah, it stuck with me when I read it. Love it. Uh, you know, and that's such a good way. Mike and I were talking before, uh, before we were recording about um, some stuff that's, that's happening in my job. That's making me a little nervous about um, pushing, you know, pushing academics down too early and um, in with young children. And uh, one of the things that comes up a lot in our our nerd conversations in general is the idea of commodifying things like the way we, we can't just be people with other people in early childhood, mm-hmm. you know, we can't just be, okay, so I'm the taller person and these are the shorter, yeah, you're the shorter and, person, you know, we, we have to have names and systems and labels and um, capital letters on everything instead of yeah. just yep. the idea mm-hmm. of being human together. Um, mm-hmm. And uh you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of that feeling of, well, I'm the adult, I should be in control, or I, you know, I spent a lot of money and time getting a degree, I should be using that, you know, I have to be in charge to be using it. And it it really does boil down to that idea of, it's all just being human. Um, yeah. And if you think about it, it's a trickle down effect, right? Yeah. You, well, not you, but in general, <laughs> the caregiver feels dehumanized by the client, right? They feel like it's mm. very transactional. You just want me to do this or do that. You don't think of me as a person. Mm-hmm. And then the caregiver goes on to dehumanize the child that they're caring for mm-hmm. while they're getting the transactional yeah. job. So the whole thing and the parents will feel dehumanized because they think that teacher doesn't listen to me, that teacher doesn't care about me, whatever. So mm-hmm. it's just. Yeah. So that like when I think of cookie cutter curriculum when you say that, right, when teachers mm-hmm. are just here's the thing you're doing on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it'll be great because everybody at all the other centers we have will be doing the same thing on Monday. Yep. It's like you don't know 
who I am, what mood I'm in that day, and you don't know no. any of my kids, how would no. that be the thing? But if I've treated that way, then I'm going to treat the kids like, sorry, we're doing leaves today. I know mm -hmm. it's still summer for us, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. on September There's 20th. Falling in <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, dehumanizing is, I think, the word. I love, though, the word justice in there, too. Yeah. Yes. Because kind of what you were just saying, if people are treated justly, if mm -hmm. teachers and caregivers are treated justly, they're going to, they're more likely mm -hmm. to treat the children justly. And if we want them to go out into the world and work towards a more just place, it starts mm -hmm. with how they're treated. Yeah, I can think back to my earliest memories. And I, I do this all the time. I always lead with the little girl in me and think about the times when somebody saw me or heard me, or at least appeared to value what I was saying. And I was into whatever they were giving me. Right. And that's mm -hmm. just the way that it works. If I value you, I hear you, I see you, I'm into what you're doing. This is just a part of being just and having a just society and a just educational experience. So mm -hmm. very, very difficult and very hard. Mm -hmm. Well, this is sorry, Heather. I'm not letting you talk now. Go ahead. But, uh, <clears throat> so now I'm thinking about just the way social justice works or doesn't work mm. is when people, you know, the sort of white savior thing, a nonprofit comes in, here's what this community needs, and we're going to save you versus listening, partnering, and that same thing happening at that level. And obviously, I watched. Um, one of Goldie Mott's um, talks because you know that yes. this is not coming yes. just for me, but um, <laughs> but it like I can see it in this you know nonprofit level uh, or whatever you know just in the way things are done. Um, that same attitude when you're seen, you know what are the great things about um, whatever the neighborhood you're in or the neighborhood you're trying to help or whatever mm -hmm. not. Oh, here's the things that are wrong, the deficit view, and then I know how to fix it. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to have like a point that we need to keep getting to, but we keep popping off of each other and I keep thinking yeah. of something. And <laughs> yeah, the, however, however the conversation goes is what okay. the podcast is. <laughs> that makes me think about microaggressions, right? Mm. I live in a predominantly white community. And so a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, my clientele is white and they several of the well-meaning clients I've had in my 14 years in the past will come in and be like oh we're behind you because you know you're a black woman business owner and and you're a black educator and those will be the same people that'll be like you didn't do it the way I wanted to do it and mm. this makes me feel uncomfortable blah, blah blah and so yeah you are meaning to humanize me but not really uh -huh. <laughs> because at these systems in your head that you haven't broken down yet and it makes it hard it's exhausting mm -hmm. just like it's exhausting for children to be when people are constantly dehumanizing them mm -hmm. so that right. makes me that that helps mm -hmm. lead my practice mm -hmm. don't yeah, do yeah. that don't do it <laughs> all right <laughs> um so yeah i'm just i'm gonna jump around too because i um uh hold on i have to find the quote again it disappeared on me. There we go. Um, I wanted to talk about um, 
uh, love, I guess, is the other element of this. And um, Carol Garboden-Murray, who's been on the show lots and lots and um, wrote that great illuminating care book that, um, uh, uh, honestly, honestly, Carol, if you're listening, you're part of the reason I struggle to write my book because I'm constantly like, this is going to be yeah, nothing pretty as awesome. powerful as Carol's book was. <laughs> anyway, also, we love you, Carol. Um, but anyway, she she has written and talked a little bit about love and Jules Page is out there um, talking about about love in education and early childhood. And it's something that makes us like the other, like de- talking about dehumanizing and talking about um, the other things uh that we've touched on makes people uncomfortable, like unreasonably uncomfortable. Right. And um, why, why do you think it makes us uncomfortable? I think it's easier to get things done if you're doing it in a very transactional way. And if you're doing it transactionally, then there's no heart involved in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up with a lot of trauma. So in order for me to survive, I had to do things in a transactional way. Couldn't feel, couldn't think, I'm just going to get through. When my life started to change is when I stopped and started feeling, you all swear on here, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some more than others. <laughs> That's when my life really took off. Uh-huh. When I started acknowledging when things hurt me, when things brought me joy, when things made me feel peaceful, that was when my life really changed. When I started listening to the children that I care for and hearing if if I um, made a rupture that needed to be repaired, that's when things started changing. And I think when we bring that to other people's attention and they're living their lives transactionally to whatever degree, it makes you uncomfortable because then you have to stop and actually give it some thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me that so many people because I used to be a child care center director, so I've done a lot of interviews, um, and yeah. the the interview is always very much like, oh, I just love children and I want to be there for them and I want to make a difference for them, and then in practice it turns into this. Suddenly, I cl- I flip into my transactional sp- script. Um, yeah. And, and uh, sort of like, sometimes I think it's, it's an adult protecting themselves. Um, yep. Uh, instead of from thinking, other adults, though. from other adults. Yes. Like mm-hmm. um, accusations or even just, you know, comments judgment. about favoritism and judgment mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. not a professional, um, mm-hmm. but it we have to bring it back to what's what what for the you know with the children what how could bringing more love into this impact the children who are with us um and then it does benefit us right because Mm -hmm. the way we shift things mike's got his finger up he's ready i do go (laughs) okay um and i think that's where uh muhammad's uh uh the way she uses the word genius fits in Okay. Right. Because when you love children, you're finding their genius, their individual mm-hmm. genius, their uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's so funny because I feel like, oh, that now this quote is all like why those four things all have to go together. Because it's that idea like it can feel like favoritism if you're not making sure that you find the genius in every child. Yeah. And some children may be harder for you. And that I can't remember the word like Lisa Murphy uses for that, right? But you have to find that thing in that mm-hmm. ch- in every okay. single child. Some, mm-hmm. if they're more like you, 
whether that means culturally or just experience or interest. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's easier, but Mm -hmm. for the kid, you don't, you got to find it. Um, because it's a me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that's I was just what you got to do. You got to jump in (laughs) with me and Mike. (laughs) This is a part of the game though. The ones that it's harder to pull out the genius in them. That's where I'm going to grow. So I'm Mm -hmm. going to gravitate to the one that there's the most push and pull so that I can find the genius in them. So we can have something that we link up on, because if you don't, it's going to be tra- transactional until they're out of there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and that's I when would... I can sense burnout. Because I, I oh, coach teachers yeah. in a center. And the teachers who can't find it, it's like, oh, they're showing me that they're burned out. They're not finding the the genius in themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's um let's talk about what we mean by genius now that we're at the uh, now that we've already been talking about it for a while but we're <laughs> so for for anyone whose you know mind maybe went to uh uh academics discrete yeah. academic skill or or focused solely on cognitive you know their existence from the from the neck up or whatever um mm-hmm. what what are we talking about when we t- when we when in this conversation when we're talking about genius when I'm talking about genius, what yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Go ahead. When I'm talking about genius, I mean like your individual individuality, your creativity, what you bring to the table that no one else gave you mm-hmm. and things that bring awe and inspire others that you brought. Mm-hmm. So um, it's nothing that I can give you. It's nothing you can read in a book. It's nothing from a box c- curriculum. You woke up like that. And you brought it to us. <laughs> right. And I think it's different than multiple intelligences. Like it, that yeah. might help you if you. If you need a framework to find, start yeah. with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like my understanding or, you know, thought around that is that thing of it's not just, oh, I'm good at moving around. It's like I can play, you know, like there's a kid right now that just can tell you everything about Bigfoot. Nice. We can play Bigfoot. Like everything's around Bigfoot. Um, So it's partly interest, but then he has this, you know, he's bringing in folklore. He's bringing in how to include people socially to play these games. How, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so it's not just an interest. It's also all the things that he brings to the classroom that, you know, maybe started with an interest, but it's, it's, it's more than that. But yeah, Yeah. the unique quality where you're like, oh, if I had to describe this child in one sentence right now, he might be different in a year, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. right now it's your creative fingerprint, right? It's different Ooh, than I love everyone yeah. else. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I see as genius. Mm-hmm. So how do we, um, how, how do we get there for a child that it's hard to connect with? Cause I think back to when I was doing those interviews and people would say, Oh, I just really love children. And I'd say, what about the child who bites everybody? Or what about the child who's constantly mm-hmm. got boogers hanging out of their nose or something, you know, <laughs> and just, and, and just to see how they go with it in that moment. But I mean, we all have children that it's harder mm-hmm. to see that genius mm-hmm. in for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we, how do we get there? So um, I'm a teacher's kid. My mom taught for 25 years. And I remember one day I was about 10 years old and she just mentioned to another teacher, like, you should treat every child like they have an IEP. And then basically you can see the genius in every child. And 
for whatever reason, it stayed on my heart and mind. And that's the way that I went into childcare is that I'm just looking for whatever, whatever that one child possesses that makes me light up. It could be their sense of humor. You can drive me up the wall, but if you're funny, that's something that's sticking with me, right? You did something <laughs> funny, you said something funny. And uh, that's why we keep bringing this. Mike back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you could be really sensitive and like to cuddle, you know, and be highly sensitive, you know, uh-huh. and, and can erupt a lot. But that's something that will move me. Whatever little thing I can hold on to, it comes down to whatever I wake up thinking about that child mm-hmm. or go to bed thinking about that uh-huh. child thing that's it that I try to hold on to okay I love that you said what makes you light up because I had already written down the phrase lights up oh mm. I was thinking of the child though like if you can't see it what's making mm-hmm. that child light up mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and even if it is the something where oh they went and pushed a kid and the kid yelled at them and they seem to be engaged yeah it's like okay so there's the connection part Mm-hmm. Maybe they aren't, they don't know how else to get a reaction except that right now. Right. Um, and maybe it's because of trauma. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe they just don't have other tools, but at least, you know, they really want to connect with people. That's the yeah. thing I know, but mm-hmm. yeah, like what's making them light up or, I, and I also like that you said, you know, what makes you as the, the mm-hmm. teacher or caregiver light up, but yeah, that mm-hmm. it was the first thing that came to my mind too. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the IEP quote. Cause I almost feel like that's what my book inclusion includes us is basically saying, except that I never use the word IEP. Right. Because <laughs> I want the opposite, right? That yep. like, if we treat every yes. kid like that, then we don't, yeah. you know, we rarely we don't need, need it. it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Off to credit your mom in the next edition. <laughs> in the next issue or the next edition. Yeah. Um, oh, now I just forgot what I was going to say next. It's a lot of good thoughts going around. That's I know. Why. I know. That's why I love doing this so much. So um, this wasn't in the actual quote, but uh, Mike brought it up when we were just talking before recording and it, the the idea of talking about joy in, in connection with these other kinds of characteristics or experiences we want to have for children. I think it fits. Maybe it came from the video you were watching, Mike, of the... Of well, the yeah, and, and the book it's from is Unearthing Joy, so that... Oh, oh, duh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so it title. really does, it really does <laughs> come up. Anyway, um, let's talk about joy a little bit. <laughs> let's talk about it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I was introduced to this book, actually. Okay. I was doing a workshop on joy, and you talking about joy and how it helps, uh, you know, with brain development and your wellness and everything, what constitutes joy. And one of my clients came in and was like, hey, I have a colleague who wrote a book called Unearthing Joy. Oh. And I was like, okay, give it a read. And then I was like, I am obsessed with this book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This week has been good. one long week of um, buying books on based on people I've recorded with. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you have taken all my money. Every time I <laughs> talk about a book, I'm like, let me get it. All right. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so I think, I think joy is another, it's kind of like love in that people are like, I don't know that we say it out loud, that it's explicit that we say we don't need to worry about joy, but the way we go through our days, we're not valuing it or prioritizing it or wondering where it is. A lot of times we're just, you know, we think about, I think there's a difference between fun and joy, you know, and we think even play people are like, well, there's fun happening, Mm -hmm. but I think joy is a different, yeah. And everybody 
you know, we all are born, we live and we die. Everybody, unfortunately, does not feel love and mm-hmm. everybody does not feel joy. Mm-hmm. Everybody is not safe enough to feel joy. So yeah, it's one of those things that you can have fun. You can go on field trips, you can have parties, but everybody in that room is not feeling joy when you mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we tend to sometimes look at, um, like I think about, about myself and my previous practice and, and about teachers I've worked with who say, Um, but it's just fun to do those kinds of things. And what they're talking about is it's fun for me and and it's fun for, um, you know, the children that I have in my mind right now. And we look at the, we look at the ones who are into it with us and we say, oh, then it must be, you know, an appropriate, whatever thing to do. But we don't look at the children who are not having joy and thinking that's the one I need to focus on that. I need to change something about something because that child didn't experience the joy that I saw everybody else kind of playing around with. That part right there. So there is where you find the equity, right? Uh If you, your children come in in the morning and I'm super excited to see my kids and I'm like, hey, I'm so happy to see you. (laughs) And because I'm happy to see them. And then there's all this extra uh, noise pollution uh, uh, in the background. Everybody's talking and getting their games together. And that one child who's sensitive to noise is like, this is too much. I want to turn around and go home. Mm -hmm. But we just left that child out. So if we're changing it and making it uh, an equitable joyous experience, then I'm going to meet that child where they are. It doesn't have anything to do with my wants, my needs. You know, I'm going to lower my voice or maybe just wave or do something that meets them. Mm -hmm. So I I find joy to be an equitable practice if you're really looking for it for everyone. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I mean, I I was (laughs) going to say, because I don't think you've read my book yet, but it's like, yeah, that... Oh, we're linking there. See okay. chapter two or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but I don't use the word joy in that. But I'm also remembering, Heather, when we had the conversation with, I forgot his name, uh, from the people from Anji Play. Jesse joy and is Christina. One of, mm-hmm. Jesse, yeah, and Christina. Um, but joy is one of the five, you know, mm-hmm. qualities they talk about. Um, mm. And... I think in the same way, maybe, maybe slightly different, but, um, cause I, I love the equity part of that. I don't think that came up in the Angie play conversation. Yeah. Not that it, they wouldn't say that, but yeah. you know, but it yeah. is more of that idea. I find that it's easy to think about, well, if 80% of the kids are doing it, it's easy to say, oh yeah, everyone loved that activity, mm-hmm. you know, and but really yeah. having to learn, did everybody yeah. I use a lot of video as a coach because it's like, yeah, look, yeah. you really, and I try to start with, look at you really connected with this kid and this kid. That's great. What could we do for these two over here that mm-hmm. we're not? That was just, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it, I think it fits um, with, with your book. That's why I was like, go ahead, Mike. I know you want to say something about this because, uh, but, but one of the things that, that st- stood out to me immediately in your book, Mike is, um, something you said something like uh inclusion is something we do but belonging is something the child feels oh yeah and yeah. I think that yeah. kind of fits here too like we yeah. could say well I'm inclusive but if that one child is over there struggling to come into the noisy room um we have yeah, a really, just saying mm-hmm. you can come in the room is right the same, you know? yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. Well, I love that. <laughs> um, belonging is huge too. I think belonging is kind of runs tandem with joy. All those things kind of link together. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. Yeah. You can't, you don't feel a sense of joy if you don't feel you belong. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I've been thinking and reading a lot about, um, mental health in, in early childhood, um, for a couple of different reasons, but, so I just did a porch play chat with Deb mm -hmm. about play and mental health and, um, the, uh, Dr. Erica Bachnick was on an episode recently. Um, and that's mm -hmm. kind of her thing. Um, but I think everything that we've talked about so far ties into that, like mental health has become kind of a, a trend. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not mm -hmm. saying that, that, that we're not genuinely concerned about that with young children, um, in the programs and settings we're, we're working with them in. Um, but it tends to be, I think, transactional. Like if we do these things, behavior will get better. And that's mental health in our mind, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but all of these things we're talking about ties in, tie into that. Just, we really want children to have a, a space and an experience and relationships that truly give them a sense of belonging and well-being and, yeah. um, and safety. I feel like we need to start using the same phrase we've done with medical health, right? That it's mental health and wellness. Yeah. Right. Cause too yeah, often yeah. it's only, we only use the term when we mean someone who has a deficit mm -hmm. yes, when of course yeah. all of us have mental health. Yeah. But Every that's single one of us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was trying to remember what Dr. Botnick said on the episode. It was something around, I think belonging even, yeah. right? That that's what mental health is. Belongingness. That's her belongingness. Yeah. Yes. She likes to yeah. talk is, about is mental health or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. so important that we choose our words wisely because I think about um what you were just saying about mental health and and buzzwords and trending. Mm -hmm. So a million uh, child care provider will say, you know, this is, you know, we're a social emotional practice, you know, <laughs> but what do you mean? Do you mean that you have like flashcards with faces, emotional faces on your wall? <laughs> or you You're going to get Mike really going again. <laughs> <laughs> right. The well-being of a child. Yeah, so right. words like well-being, words like mental wellness, words mm -hmm. like belonging, those dig deeper mm -hmm. than just the transactional, you know, happy face, sad face right. <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. And it's so, so important. It's what actually changed the course of my um, business yeah. because of the pandemic. And we were shut down and I was open. And because most of my parents were, my uh, grownups were um, first responders. They all worked oh. in the medical mm -hmm. field. Uh -huh. And so I closed for two days and two days only. And yeah. when I say I have never seen children in this amount of despair, mm. the entire time I had worked, it mm -hmm. was like, you could feel the tension, full on fights, full on meltdowns. Mm -hmm. And I was like, something has to change. And so I'm like, there's nowhere for us to go, nothing for us to do. I'm like, I'm just going to throw it back we're gonna go outside in the backyard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, figure it out hmm? yeah what I find so interesting about that and I love that you had that transformation but I wrote an article um called lessons from the pandemic a few years ago with um 
why can't I think of her name? Deb from IPA USA. Deb Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. But because our thought was what we really learned, because we knew that it was going to come to, we have to catch up on academics. Mm -hmm. But what we actually learned is if it truly was about academics, being kids schooling from home should be better because we've taken yes. away the social element. And yep. of course, what we learned is nope, without social emotional uh, learning and experience, positive experiences, no other learning happens. Mm -hmm. And that should be the right. lesson we take from it. And I love that that is the lesson you mm -hmm. got. Yes. Um, I'm curious if you don't, well, I was going to say, don't mind me asking, but I guess that's the whole point is right. you're here to get asked questions. You're committed now because I don't yeah, have yeah. it. Yeah, I hope you, <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. but just the way through this whole conversation, that idea of joy and love and justice and I'm forgetting all the humanity, like all these things interlock. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's hardest for people when they try to transition. Because if you keep an academic mindset, but you try, I'm going to make sure I like connect with each child sometime during the day. It doesn't yeah, you work, can't. you know? And mm -mm. so I'm curious for you, what was that like? Like, how did you fit all the pieces together? Or was it just being outside and stepping back and then figuring it out? I don't know. I'm curious. What was the process like for you? It was very messy. So uh, when when we went outside and I realized um, the children, of course, they uh, became more regulated and they started to surpass getting to what was our normal and started to appear to be these beings I had never known before. And I had taken care of these kids for many, many years. And so they started to tell me things they had never told me. They started to behave in ways I had never seen them behave. And I was like, they're showing me who they are. They're this genius. is not their best. They're showing me their genius. They're not showing me their school behavior. They're not showing me my expectation of them. They are showing me who they are. And so I'm like, I'm going to keep on going. The more that I kept on going, the more I'm like, you got to get rid of all the shit you did before. Like, <laughs> all has to go. It's so nice. <laughs> so the way that it got mess messy is when I was deconstructing that, the parents were like, what is happening? Uh -huh. <laughs> so they, they trusted me enough. I'm going to say they trusted me enough hopefully it wasn't just transactional and they needed somewhere for their kids to go but they trusted <laughs> it could be enough. a little of both <laughs> yeah involuntary <laughs> trust <could> be true <laughs> so they went along on the journey but it was totally different than what they were used to and and we're still this is almost four years later you know three three and a half years later that we're still changing because the more that we do it, the more that I realize, no, you have to double down on this. You have to lead with the children. This doesn't like you want to accept and listen to the parents and understand their frustration or their confusion. But at the end, it starts with the child. Mm -hmm. And once I did that, I just wanted to continue doing it. I wanted to learn how to shut up. I want to learn how to step back. You know, I don't have to create everything. I don't have to sit down. I love lists, love, um, uh, what are they? Lesson plan books and all that. I love organizing. Yes. 
but that's all me. Yeah. That's all. And if I'm doing that, then guess what? I can't check in with that child. I can't, you know, have a, a impromptu moment because I have shit to do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to get rid of all of that in order to make a space that I can confidently say, I know every child in here mm-hmm. because I didn't take the time to work. I know me. I didn't take the time <laughs> to put myself in there. I was yeah. just trying to learn the children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As uh, you were saying that, I was watching a video because we just became Facebook friends, like oh. you know, a few <laughs> yeah. hours ago. But this video of kids on the porch, they're making some sort of white goo. I didn't have the volume on yeah. at all. Yeah. The shaving but cream. Mm-hmm. It's shaving cream. Okay. Yeah. But they are. There are some kids who are covered head yep. to toe in it and of course there's other kids that are just on their hand or mm-hmm. you know but it's like they each get to do it but then you see that i mean the only word you could use is joy right of like yep. they are being them they are truly themselves they are just sparked in this way that they're exploring in all these different ways yeah and yeah it's just um as you were talking it was great to sort of see like oh yeah you <laughs> you wouldn't have seen that five years ago yeah. i guess yeah Oh, absolutely not. And I get the most pushback on that. That is the biggest thing. You know, I've had parents bring it to me that, you know, it was embarrassing if their child went home with marker or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, you know, that's the most pushback is like, look, that's where they found the most joy. Yeah. 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 That to me speaks volumes that, um, we have such, I, I, I would say is bondage. We are bound by judgments of others, what other adults think and what they say. It has nothing. We threw that baby out with the bathwater. We don't even <laughs> care about their yeah. joy. Like, yeah. Right. But, but my neighbor was looking at me when I walked in the house. So mm-hmm. yeah, that really shows what we okay. have Okay. To- yeah <laughs> okay. the neighbor was probably going to be looking at him anyway <laughs> like, yeah maybe the neighbor was jealous like That's man right. where do i get some of that yes, exactly yeah, yeah. Like, what so, smells like shaving cream smells like the whole block smells like shaving cream <laughs> yeah i saw that picture and i could immediately smell it yeah uh, yep yeah. <laughs> uh so fun but i mean i just when i whenever i see like shaving cream for some reason maybe this is uh uh, you know sort of representative representative of a bigger a bigger thi- thing but i that's that's one thing that if i see a child with shaving cream i immediately feel joy for yes. the child like you know mm-hmm. how how must mm-hmm. that how must that feel mm-hmm. if they're not consciously saying thinking oh kisa really trusts me and whatever yeah uh, right. but, but just imagine <laughs> that that experience the lived experience of being um trusted to do something that seems feels a little um transgressional maybe <laughs> like yeah. I get to what I get to just rub this all over my legs are you serious yeah. um and and that so for what you know one thing we know is that when children feel that uh that kind of joy or one thing that you know the the brain research is kind of pointing at is that that increases um those that brain development those neural connections that myelination um Mm -hmm. that that that's happening is when children are feeling that that kind of joy 
it connects more deeply for them, whatever they're doing in the sensory input of it all. Yeah, BDNF is being produced. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just Which think I can't remember what it stands for. But. If we want to really <laughs> talk about learning or or whatever, that's that that's such a that could right. be such a more powerful experience than the group yeah. time activity that we and you can't get. test myelination, right? right? But no. it's yeah. like, but we know. I mean, that's the that's the problem, you know, the the with sort of brain research. It's like brain research actually tells us that human connection. Yes, I was going to say that the yeah. social physical connection of movement, doing that with someone else. Yeah, and that spark joy increases myelination, increases or strengthens neural pathways. We know yeah. all that. Yeah, we know what it, it we won't do is we aren't going to test people. We mm -hmm. can't test people on that. So what we can test people is that do you know what letter this is? Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. matter what age we're doing that. You know, we can either it's either a yes or a no. And so and it's that whole thing of you know, uh, anytime we talk about assessment, uh -huh. it's like what are we? You know, like we can decide. I think we had a conversation a long time ago where I just said we could create a curriculum like where we're just going to learn the uh infield for um chicago cubs yeah right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all the kids could learn it we could test them on it we could say it's evidence-based mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. like but how, what does that have to do with anything with these people being human with these yeah. people growing into uh the genius that they each have nothing yeah. but we could say there's it's evidence-based mm -hmm. it, but it's more the question of, is that even worth it Right. Should we and even you, be doing it? Yeah. Not and anyone who can't work. watch that video of kids playing in shaving cream and not know we, that's worth doing mm -hmm. is just yeah. shouldn't be in the field. Yeah. Or shouldn't be funding the field either because legislators right. exactly. too should be able to look at that and say, yes, that's what we need to give money for. That's mm -hmm. why we need to invest in early childhood because mm -hmm. we need every child to have that joy and to find their genius. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I'm rambling. So, that's what we're here for. No, no. Oh, right. That's right. Podcast. <laughs> that's a podcast, Mike. <laughs> so we we can't value what we, we can't name, right? Yeah. We don't value what we can't name. Yeah. And yeah. if we don't understand how joy connects to learning and all we see it test in, in, in spelling and reading and of this rote mm -hmm. learning, right? Um they have nothing to go by, right? The parents think in the real world, they, they don't need to be happy. They have to know something. Right. But where they're learning. This, right. the, the, the shaving cream, the multi-sensory experiences, the joy, the belonging, the well-being, the relationships, that's where all the learning is going. Mm -hmm. So if, if you, if the spelling test and the um, math, uh, uh, Math assignments are void of relationships, learning, multisensory um, uh, experiences, and have no meaning to the child. They're mm -hmm. not learning. They're memorizing the shit you want them to know yeah. and regurgitating it for you. Yeah. So I think, and I think so much of the resistance comes from, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but that teacher identity that, well, then what do I do with all my knowledge if children are just playing quote unquote, or if, if I'm Not following, either. if I'm following the child, what do I do with my expertise? How am I a teacher? And it's what you just described. It's understanding all of that, that stuff that's happening during the shaving cream <laughs> play. You're still a professional with expertise and, yes. and specific knowledge. It just looks different. 
than our cultural idea of learning. It and that's, just that's where it, we come in. Yeah. And that's where the equity is again. Ah. It doesn't have to look like this Puritan example. Ah. Of the Puritans. Learning. God, yeah, it all goes back. They <laughs> really <laughs> fucked it up. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <Lisa. laughs> so if you have this example in your mind of the way it should be, you can never do it the way that it's supposed to be mm-hmm. done. There's mm-hmm. certain things that are just innate, right? Nature is going to create learning experiences for children. Mm-hmm. Um, relationships is going to create learning for children belonging these things are just natural just sit back you are the expert you know like take it in and then share that information with the people who do not know right so that it spreads right instead of saying I wish I could do it that way but the parents want or my director wants or the curriculum wants we could say to those people who are wanting mm-hmm. here's why i'm doing it the way i'm doing it instead of yeah uh, you know we make you choices know, about that a lot one way to help parents understand is schema <laughs> so see heather's book in whatever 14 months I don't know, yep 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 I think um, I made no, but I think true. I made a late January promise yeah <laughs> i think i sent you a photo of one of our teachers you know doing that of just having I think she just focused on transforming was it Uh and it there was shaving cream there was there was these different things and she just had these things about what is happening with kids but the joy on their faces in the photos and then the description for the parents who needed the like why is that important Mm -hmm. why do I look at this and think oh man my kid is a genius Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um you know and not like well wait what about letters and numbers you know it, it it um I mean, it's not the only way mm-hmm. you don't have to, but I thought I'd plug your, as your publicist, I had to <laughs> refer to. So, so then that goes back to the magic of teachers. What are we going to do if we take mm-hmm. all that away? Yeah. If we understand the importance of schema, if we understand the importance of all these different forms of play, then we can explain it to people who don't know the value mm-hmm. in it. If I know what a child gains from dumping, then when that parent flips their lid over the kid or the teacher Mm -hmm. flips their lid over the kid that constantly dumps, then I can say, well, they're actually learning Mm -hmm. all of these things when they do it. Uh Uh-oh, you all are frozen. Uh, Hold on. There There you're back. Okay. Okay. (laughs) God, that was close one. (laughs) I thought I was going to have to edit. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, not that no. <laughs> sorry Kisa that's all right then we can we can educate others we don't have to pour into children mm-hmm. constantly they can give us something back I always say that um our work is healing work right mm-hmm. because the more that we learn from them or the more we heal them the more that we heal ourselves mm-hmm. and then we can heal their families and we, or we can share the healing yeah. with everybody. And it's a community thing that we're doing and we can grow. But if we're just keeping it to ourselves because we want to be the gatekeepers and say we're responsible for, you know, the intelligence of all these other people, then they're really not learning anything. Mm-hmm. They're just learning how to be a carbon copy of you. Yeah. Or how to jump through your hoops. 
That's until, right. Until you're not around anymore. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, I think um, if we're talking about teachers at this point, right? You know, because yeah. it feels like we're winding down here. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to what you said at the beginning about when you interview people, everyone talks about their love of children. Mm-hmm. So connecting that, right? That if you love children and really want mm-hmm. what's best for them, then here's the way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just regurgitating, you know, worksheets of, about letters and coloring an apple so they understand <laughs> A, if you truly love them, you want to spark joy. You want to get them to have relationships with their peers, with the adults in their life, you know, and a love of learning, Mm -hmm. of discovery, maybe is a better word to use there, um, because then we can't, we don't have to argue because it's not discovery to get a a worksheet of an apple (laughs) to color in and And then be told, don't use purple. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, But having discovery and now you get to love children and here's the thing you can do to to make love an active verb and not mm. a platitude or whatever yeah yep yep it is time to kind of wrap up so what are the what, is there anything kisa that we haven't gotten to that you really wanted to talk about um the only thing that's been on my mind and heart lately is just the another buzzword that goes around is you know being renegade and I don't think there's (laughs) anything that's renegade about loving a child seeing shouldn't be right yeah a child yeah yeah things that we should be doing every day we should be humanizing children and we as the the healers and the educators should double down on doing what the child needs Mm -hmm. and that might mean pissing off some administration might mean um confusing parents but because we are experts we are able we have to figure out how to articulate yes what we're doing why we're doing it and who it serves Mm I keep telling people, and someday maybe someone is listening to this, you know, years in the future and it's not relevant anymore. But I keep telling people, this is an excellent time to do those kinds of things because nobody's getting fired right now in early childhood. Like there's such a, a staffing yeah. that yeah. Um, this is the time. Now is the time. This is the this time is to time. just do the things that we think are, that, that we know are, um, you know, in, 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 uh, pursuit of children's well-being and our own well-being the pandemic the pandemic gifted us with that yeah we can yeah. let go of everything that didn't serve us and leave it back there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah now i hope no one goes out and gets fired because of this podcast but um I, but heather will hire you i'll hire you <laughs> I'm, i've got a center coming i'm looking for staff <laughs> in about a year yeah <laughs> Lafayette, right. here we come. Yeah. Or West Lafayette, I forgot. <laughs> well, the center will be in Lafayette. It's okay. Uh, you know, we're just across the river. Two great cities. One Can I river. show um, Goldie's book? So just sure, yeah. Better yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. There is. Oh, hold on. Hold it still. There we go. Unearthing joy. Got it. Yep. Thank you. Got to get to Amazon now. Um, (laughs) all right well thank you uh so much kisa for coming on this was a fun conversation um and uh you know i look forward to talking with you again uh in the not too distant yeah it was really great uh meeting you yeah i enjoyed and uh you know thanks mike for coming on i guess i'll thank you too whatever (laughs) (laughs) all right
<laughs> okay, right. thanks and everybody. You were totally obsession worthy. Oh, so. obsession worthy. <laughs> All right, Richard's got competition. All right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this has All been right. an episode. Early childhood nerd. Thank you for listening. I uh, hope you come back again uh, next week. <laughs>